worshiping, um, I kept hearing in my spirit these words, pick it up. That was from the very first song we were singing is pick it up. And I was asking the Lord, what, what is that referring to? And what I keep sensing is that there's been words spoken. There's been maybe through the years prophetic, uh, prophetic things spoken to you, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, something that you needed to, um, have encouragement and We've not followed through with them. We've not kept hold of them um, through prayer. We've allowed the enemy to come in and steal it or time goes by and we don't see the manifestation. So we kind of put it on the back burner. And, you know, we've allowed the a lot of times that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to think that because it's taking time in the natural that God's not doing anything. But just like we were singing, even though I don't see it. God's working things out. God's lining things up, putting things into place so that that word that was spoken to you is going to come to pass. But we look at things in the natural, in the flesh. We've got to get to that place where the spirit is ruling and reigning. And we say, Lord, I don't care what's looking at here. You said. And then that scripture came up in my heart. Have I said it and will I not bring it to pass? God is God. And you know, with everything that's going on in the world today, there's glory for God's people. There's promises for God's people. And he's telling us those things that I spoke to you years ago, pick it up because it's still my will for your life. If it's a ministry, pick it up. Pick it up and seek after that. Pursue that. If it's a job, if it's, I don't know what it might be for you personally. Whatever that is, pick it up. Don't let the enemy steal it from you. Some things are going to have to be birthed through prayer. Just because it's a prophetic word that comes to us from the Lord and it's his will, it does not mean that the enemy is going to just say, okay, go ahead, go have at it. You're going to need to get on your face, suck some carpet, and pray that thing through because he's going to fight you, especially... Especially if he knows the damage it's going to do to his kingdom. Right? There are some things he might know. Especially if God says to you, hey, I'm going to take you and I'm going to send you across the world. You're going to preach my gospel and millions are going to come to know Christ through me. Do you think he's just going to say, okay, go ahead? No, he's going to try and stop you at every turn. He's going to try and cause fear, cause doubt, cause you to think the finances aren't going to be there, the resources aren't going to be there, you're not going to be received. Whatever it is that God spoke to you, know it is still his plan. It is still his desire for you. Pick it up. Go back to prayer. Don't let the enemy defeat you. Don't let him cause you to to step backwards and go, oh, I guess it's not going to happen. Time's too short. No, it's not. Not for God. If God can take in a second... He says he can turn in a second. And I mean, what did he say? He spoke and what happened? The world came into being. That's a lot of, of a, lo- a lot of action happening right there. Amen. God can cause it to come to be like that. If it's something you had spoken in your heart about your family, continue to praise him for that. Amen. My family's coming into the kingdom of God. My family is healed. My marriage is restored. Whatever it is, start to proclaim it. Start. We have to get into the habit of not just praying about things, but proclaiming the outcome, proclaiming that end result that he promised us in his word. Because if he said it, he's the one that's going to bring it to pass. And all we have to do is rejoice in the meantime. Thank him for doing the work in the meantime. Amen. Praise God.
Good to see you all here. We're going to dismiss our, our children as they get ready to go. Thank you, Father God. Well, Father, we thank you for our children. We thank you that there, are, there is life in them, the life of God, that you are going to feed that here this morning. They're going to help each other. They're going to learn from your word. And I thank you for the anointing that's on all those over there to minister to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Good to see Brother Orlando here this morning. He is praising God that he drove here on his own, in his own car. (laughs) Isn't that all right? Miss Ethel said that she's uh, praising God for Holy Spirit giving him her, her a note he gave her a note, or told her to put a note on her uh, windshield, on the door. Make sure she brought everything on Monday. You're going back to work on Monday. You're going back to the office, I should say, yes. No more working from home for you. Or at least not, so you get uh, like one or two weeks, and then another group comes in. Yeah, that's how it's going. And there was something, something going on like that. Would you turn over with me into your Bibles to Matthew? God. We're having a little bit of trouble with our AC unit here this morning. So it's not quite where we want it to be. So I'm taking the coat off. We always know that as the anointing filter. You know, every time that a minister takes off his coat, he's getting getting excited. Well, we're still hitting this uh, little mini section here on fasting and prayer. And we started some things a few weeks ago, and then sort of detoured into to some others. But when Jesus had told the disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. We saw the word there for enter was ice erkomai, which means to go, to go into or to leave. And he is not talking about accidentally sinning. He's not saying that we are to pray that we don't accidentally sin. He's saying this is intentional. And the kind of prayer that he's talking about, well, it would be an intentional thing. I will deliberately do something. In Jesus' particular case, he knew what the will of God was, and he would deliberately go against it. And so he's telling his disciples, pray that you enter not into temptation. We also saw fasting has a role in helping us overcome doubt. And... If we, you know, sin is really just a form of doubt. The reason I sin is because I doubt what the Word of God says. If I believed what the Word of God said, I wouldn't sin. But see, if the Word of God says, don't do this, I think I should do it. So I doubt what God says, or I doubt that that's good for me, or I doubt it's not to my benefit to do this particular thing. So really, it's just another form of doubt. But Jesus also went on to say, he said the spirit is willing or ready. And that means that root, Greek word we looked at, prothumus, means readiness, willingness, or an eagerness. The spirit is willing. Now we see that and we think that's a positive. But in this case it's not. Because the attitude of the spirit, though it is good, it is not sufficient. 
it is insufficient to take care of the weaknesses of the flesh. Just because you do all sorts of stuff to build up your spirit and get yourself all excited, get your all understanding the Word of God does not mean you are prepared. If you do not do something with the flesh, you can do all that you want to with the spirit. And you're not necessarily going to get yourself in a place any better. So we have to make sure that we do all that the Word of God tells us to do. Pray, fast, get your, keep your spirit willing, keep it in that place of being willing, but also do something to, to deal with the flesh. He said the flesh is weak, it's strengthless, it's feeble, it's sick, it's without strength. Now see, when I enter into sin, any time that I sin, any time that I follow into doubts, fall into doubts, and I operate in sin, especially when I operate in sin intentionally, when I've gone in that direction, I operate in a will contrary to my Father's. I accept a nature that is in conflict with Him. And if that nature being in conflict with God continues to, to grow in me, then when the Spirit of God speaks I'm not sure that he, what he said. Remember the word of God says that we're, um, we're oh, I can't think of it now. Where there is where there's evil, there is confusion and every evil. Um, no, it's not that. Where there is strife. Where there is strife, there is evil and every. Uh, when we let this stuff in, it takes us in an area that is, that is against God. There will be confusion that will come into our lives. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can follow after the Spirit. We can do things. But a question came in on this, and I've had it for a couple of weeks. Sometimes you give me a question, and sometimes I'll, I'll ponder it for a little while, or uh, uh, sometimes it just takes a little while for me to work, work it on in there. I don't always try and text answers, because it takes a long time to text all this out the other to you. But I did put in your bullets in something of a, an answer I did text back. So if you're interested in that, make sure you, you see that and... And let me know. But here, Matthew 26, we looked at Mark before, when we, but this is the same passage just out of the Matthew chapter. This is where the question came from. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go over here and over, over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup Pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So when he says here, watch and pray, what does watch mean? If I don't know what Jesus means by saying watch and pray, I can't really go out there and do it, can I? Now, Brother Hagin, he used to always quote this verse of Scripture whenever he was talking about praying and looking around and seeing what's going on. <laughs> he said the Word of God says watch and pray. So he would talk about I was watching and praying. He's seeing what, what was going on. So what I did with this was I just uh, w went after this word in, uh, in the way that I do word studies. And so what I, one of the first things you want to do when you want to find out what the Bible is saying when it uses a particular word, like this word watch, is you first off have to get a hold of what words in Scripture are translated watch. 
That's the first thing you need to do. Not that they all mean watch, but I got to find out what words in Scripture are translated watch, and then I begin to narrow it down from there. Which ones could this person have used? In this case, Jesus. So I gave you some that they are not. This first one is a noun. There's actually three nouns that are translated watch. And if you don't have to know Greek to, to figure this out. Uh, we've uh, told you before about vines. We've encouraged you to get a copy of vines. We've brought some copies of vines in so that you could buy them because there's about three or four different versions of vines. And I like one in particular. We brought that one in and we put it over there because I like the way it's laid out better. But there are other ones that you could get. I just don't think they're as easy to use as this particular version. So while uh, we have that on over there, if anyone does not have one, and if you, you don't need to know any Greek at all, you just look up the word watch and you will see the same list that I'm giving to you. You'll see three nouns and you're going to see five verbs. Total of eight words total. Now I threw out one of the nouns here, even though our word that we're looking at is not a noun, but I threw out one of them because we get a particular word from it. Now the Greek word is custodia. What word do you think we get from that? Custodian. This is this particular word is a group of four Roman soldiers who's charge, uh, who, who change shifts every three hours. It's a Roman sentry. Now we're going to see this in this uh, Matthew passage later on. They when the when they want a guard put on the tomb, and they said you have your own watch, and that would be this particular one. This is what this this is talking about. But that word is not the word that is used here. There is a word nephel which means to abstain from wine. Second uh, Timothy 4, 5, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. But you be watchful in all things. And uh, we have to be... Uh, this, this word means, basically means be sober. Don't, don't get so caught up with stuff that you, um, that, you, that you can't see things. Can't see straight. You know, some people can get so drunk they can't see straight. Uh, most of you... Probably never been there. That's okay. If you have been, just smile and nod like one of the other people who hasn't been there. It'll be good. The other, another Greek word is the Greek word tereo, which means to guard from loss or injury. Basically, you keep an eye on the thing. We want to make sure that uh, I don't, I don't give into, I don't give into this. There's uh, also the Greek word. Para tereo, which means to observe, especially with a sinister intent. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, So they watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. In Acts chapter 9, verse 24, But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. So you see, there's a, there's a word in the Greek to watch with an evil intent to, uh, to, to guard but the, just the great, just the, the word by itself just means to guard from loss or injury. We want to make sure we don't lose stuff. So, you know, if you go down to the beach, you keep your eye on your stuff that's by the blanket so you don't lose, lose things. Stuff of, along, those, along those lines. And um, there's one other one I wanted to, sh- to show you. And this one means to keep oneself awake, to be on alert, and to be vigilant. Now, of all the words that are not in this verse, this one we're going to spend a little bit more time with. It basically means to be sleepless, or uh, if, if you were to be up all night 
and couldn't get to sleep, you would use this word to describe your condition. But when it's used in a, as a metaphor, it's talking about uh, to be watchful. It, it, uh, it expresses not just the mere wakefulness, but the watchfulness of those who are intent upon a thing. So to, to bring that home, say that tomorrow was Christmas and you were really young. How many can remember when you were really young and Christmas was the next day? You were intent on that. And sometimes that intensity for that thing kept you up. You were awake. Now, one of the uh, versions I have, I think I put this definition in there for you. Um, it says to keep oneself awake, to be on alert, and, be, and to be vigilant. Now, I want you to take note of this. I wrote, didn't I write that in your outline? Yes. I wrote it in your outline because I want you to see this. Keep oneself awake. Be on alert to be vigilant. That is not my definition. That is a definition I pull out of the highest priced uh, reference materials I have in my office. <laughs> these are the high dollar ones. <laughs> you wouldn't buy one of these, but I would. Some places where this would be be used is in like in Luke twenty one thirty six. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch, therefore, and pray always. So again, it's, it's, a, it's a word to keep oneself awake, to be on alert, to be vigilant. Ephesians 6.18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end. You know this verse real well. That's this particular word here. Hebrews 13.17, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. For those who, who watch out for your souls. So that same word is being used there. This word is not used in a whole lot of times in, in there, but it is used some. Another form of the word is used in 2 Corinthians 11.27. It's enough of a different form that it actually gets a different uh, numbering system in the Strong's numbers, if that matters to you. In weariness... 2 Corinthians 11.27 In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in darkness. When he uses this word in this particular time, in watchings, what Paul is talking about is when they would travel out on the road and if you traveled with a group of, let's just say, 20 people. Well, when you were sleeping, people, there, were, there were robbers out there and they would try and sneak up on the group and take their stuff. And so somebody would, would stay up and watch. And so this is what Paul is talking about. We would be traveling out there and there would be dangers. And so I was, I was one of the ones participating in the watch. He didn't just have all the other people do the watches, watching. He actually helped out with that. So when you say in weariness and painfulness, in watchings, often in hunger and thirst, why he lists that here is um, you, you decide I'm not going to sleep between the hours of 12 and 3. I'm going to watch instead. And then, you know, you, you sleep before, you sleep after. How many of you know that's not a good thing? Plus, you're in a place of danger. The particular word that we have watch here comes from the word Gregorio. I'm sorry, Greg, I spell this in English and I don't take the time to go back and do it in the Greek. Gregorio. To keep awake or watch, be vigilant or watchful. That's the definition that comes out of a book. Now, now, take a look at that compared to the one that was before. Keep oneself awake, be on alert, be vigilant. And this one, to keep awake or watch, to be vigilant or watchful. 
What is the difference between those two words? So in order to find out the difference between these two words, I decided we, we need to do a deep dive in this thing and figure out what's going on with this because I want to know what the Word of God tells me to do as far as being watchful. Is he merely telling me just to stay awake? <laughs> I mean, that was the problem with the disciples, right? When they came back, what were they doing? They were sleeping. He knew they were tired. Now, in a literal sense, this means to be awoken from from asleep. The um, I'm sorry, I wrote that into the into the wrong wrong spot there, but. What this is, let me see if I can find where I, where I put my comparisons here for these, these words. All right, we got this going on here later on. In Matthew, we're going to take a look at some of the places where Gregorio is used. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Isn't that what he said? Watch. There, so you don't know when the Lord is coming. Now how many people have ever heard this, this uh, said, when the rapture comes, no one will know? How many have ever heard that said? Because, and we quote this verse, no man knows the hour in which the Master is coming. And there's a few other times in Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 24 and 25 in which he says, no man knows. And so we say this about the rapture. How many believe in the rapture? How many believe we're going in the rapture? How many believe that no one knows when it is? You see, except that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, no man knows the day of the rapture. When the disciples came to him in, in Matthew 24 and they said, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? What age are they talking about? The Jewish age, not the church age. They didn't know there was a church age. They didn't know the church age had a beginning, let alone that it had an end. They are not asking when the church age ends. Now, have you been through the end times class? We've been through this part of it with you before. What Jesus is teaching, if Jesus were to teach on when the church age would end, which is at the rapture, if he were to teach that, he would be doing them a great in-service, wouldn't he? Because they wouldn't, um, they don't know, they don't know to ask that. And so they wouldn't know what to do with the answer if it came. But he said to him here, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. So we, we take this idea out, am I supposed to watch because I don't know when the rapture is coming? Now we've had a few, how many know we've had a few raptures in the word of God? We had a few, few raptures that, are already, that have already occurred. Uh, one was Enoch. Was Enoch not raptured? Was uh, Elijah raptured? We, so we've had some of those that have gone on. With Elijah, did Elijah know when he would be raptured? Did the other prophets know when he would be raptured? Yeah, didn't, weren't they all come up to Elisha? Don't you know your master is leaving today? How did they know? They all, they all knew that he was going. 
Now we're going back to the other one, Enoch. Did, peop, did, did Enoch know he was going? Yeah. All right, now think about it this way. If Enoch, like most people believe this story happened, if Enoch was just walking with God and God says, you know what, I'm taking you home today. He says, all right, glory to God, let's go. And he just disappears. How do we know about it? How do we know? If he did, if he knew about it ahead of time, and he told people, "Look, today I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going. Don't look for me." And then when he disappeared, we know what happened to him. <laughs> now maybe he took somebody along with him, like Elijah did, and they passed the story on. I don't know. But the the cases we have of people being raptured, people knew about it. I firmly believe, folks, we're going to know when the rapture is going to occur. And I've shared this with you in the end times class and so forth. I think that people are going to get in their spirit. Don't go into work today if they drive a train or a plane. You don't want to crash. No, you need to stay home. Because God's not going to have planes crashing all over the place and trains running into each other and all this sort of stuff, all this chaos going on as he pulls his people out. So I don't think it's going to be unknown. When Jesus talks about this, he's talking about something different. He's talking about the second advent. Now here's, you, you want to really get fun with this? I'll, I'll throw out a question for you. You all get to ask me questions. I'll, I'll throw out a question to you. Is that all right? <laughs> how long is the, is the rapture? How long is the tribulation? Seven years. It is seven years. In fact, in some parts in Revelation... It gives the months and the days. All right. If you have the months and the days from certain events, when the end of the rapture would be, how many of y'all know you would know the day and the hour? I mean, wouldn't you? So why does Jesus say no man knows the day or the hour? See, because we don't know when it starts. I have no idea when the second advent is coming right now. But as soon as the tribulation starts, I can figure it out. But right now, no one knows. Now when they asked him that question, they asked Jesus that question before he was glorified. When, he, when they ask him a question like that again, he doesn't give them this answer. But I'll, here's my question for you. Do you remember in the book of Revelation where, where it says... If the days had not been shortened, all flesh would have died. How many remember that verse? Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me ask you this: If the if the tribulation is seven years and we've got it counted out to the day, how are the days shortened? All right. That's my question for you. <laughs> Go have fun with it. Let's get back over here to follow our word watch. Watch therefore, verse 13, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So he says it again. 26, 38, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. 26, 40 and 41, 
Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're going to see this uh, repeated in some other parts of the gospel. The same word is being used to describe this same event. In Acts 20 and verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to mourn everyone night and day with tears. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day. Therefore watch and remember. What does he mean by watch and remember? Well, as I meditate on the scripture, what I get out of this is he has taught them things and by their remembering the things that are taught will help them in the watch. Otherwise, why, why remind them of things that they are to remember if it has nothing to do with the watch he's calling them to do? 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Watch and stand fast in the, in the faith. Be brave, be strong. Watch and stand fast in the faith. Watch and stand fast in the faith. That's in Corinthians. Colossians 4 and 2, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant. There it's translated vigilant, but it's the same word for watch. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Peter 5, 8, this one you all know real well. Be sober, be vigilant. There's that word. It's translated vigilant here. Some, some translations go watchful. Because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So, what's the difference between these, these two words? That was my question. What is, my, what is the difference between these two words? And so, in order to take this on, what I did was I searched for the, the, uh, the word we look at here, and I also searched for the second word. And don't you know I found a passage that contains both of them? Now, if you find a passage that contains both of the words that are in question... That can really help you come to your answer. In Mark 13, verse 33, take heed, watch. Now see, that's our, that's our word that's not used. Take heed and watch. Hmm. And um, so take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Now, this is again, Mark, we're describing the same events here. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants to, to each his, his work and commanded a doorkeeper to watch. Now, here's our, our main word, Gregorio. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. Same word. In the evening at midnight at the crowning of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping and what I say to you I say to all, watch. Now, that final word is all three, used all three times. Only the, only the first word is different. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going into a far country who left his house and gave his authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Now, The first one here speaks of a sleeping man being aroused from sleep. 
I don't, did I, did I leave all that definition in there for you? Wasn't sure if I was able to do that or not. It speaks of a sleeping man being aroused from sleep. Either he arouses himself or someone else does the arousing. But somehow he was sleeping. He was not in the state of being conscious to all the things that were going on around him. And then either he woke up, maybe his alarm clock went off, maybe he just woke himself up, or someone came along and, and woke him. But the second one adds the idea of wakefulness and the notion of alertness. How many of you are real alert when you first wake up? Think of it that way. How many of you are a little groggy when you first wake up? Not quite tuned in to everything that's going on around. The, the most, the time that in my life when I can relate to this the most of being groggy when I woke up. I mean groggy. Most of the times I wake up, I'm usually pretty alert, pretty, pretty awake, but I mean groggy. There was uh, one particular time my freshman year in college. I don't know if I told you this story too often. I think I've at least told you it once, one time, but don't tell this story too often. And uh, I went into college as a quiet freshman, young, well-behaved young man. Didn't cause any trouble. And um, I didn't come out that way. And I was given uh, two roommates. One roommate was a junior. He got stuck with us two freshmen because he had left and then came back. I still have, uh, still in touch with him. Bob Russell's his name. And we still communicate, found each other on Facebook, and we still swap things back and forth. The other one, he kind of cut everybody off. We don't know what happened to Jonathan. He, he kind of, he went someplace else. I don't know. I don't know. He, we, I asked Bob, have you ever heard from Jonathan? He said, no, never heard from him. Can't find him. So we don't know what happened to him. But anyway, Bob and I, we, we talked with each other. He was, the, he was the one who corrupted us. And, and uh, you know, we were both kind of quiet kids. And uh, he, he, he uh, corrupted both of us, made a terrible thing. You know, he kept picking on us and doing stuff. And did I ever tell you my shower story? That's the one that really uh, brought us out of our shell because we were both in there and we were studying. And he came in and just was hooting and hollering, making all kinds of noise and just messing with us. And we're two freshmen trying to buckle down and study. And so then he couldn't get anywhere with us, so he went into the shower. And so after he went into the shower, um, we looked at each other, Jonathan and I, we looked at each other and said, let's get him. This guy should not be coming in messing with us. So we decided to get him. And so you have to understand the, the makeup of our college. Our room is over the busiest path of college. We are on the third floor. There's uh, the second floor underneath us, and then there's, of course, the first floor. But we're on the third floor. We are direct, our window is directly over the busiest path of college. And so um, uh, it's a very, very old building. It was a very old building. It's gone now. And so the windows went from pretty much the top all the way down to the floor. And there was a shade that was, that was on there. You know, you kept the, the shade pulled down. It wasn't one of those uh, these fancy mini blinds. Folks, this was back in the 80s. We didn't have fancy mini blinds. We had a shade. You pulled it down. And so we went on in there while he's in the shower, and we knew his routine. His routine was he goes in the shower. He gets the shower. He comes out after all the pores have been opened up. He lathers up. He shaves by the sink and then goes back into the shower and washes everything off. That's his routine. We knew his routine. And so... Um, we went in there while he was in the shower, and we removed the shade that would be covering the window. And we removed his towel and any article of clothing that could be used in there. Everything was gone. Now, this was nighttime. When you come out of a room, and then it's night, and you come up to the window, you don't necessarily notice right away that the window is not in the state of which you left it. We knew this. We planned all this out. So he came on out. His light in the shower, in the bathroom, is on. 
the light outside is off. You can get an idea of what happens next. <laughs> so this is our coming out party. And so we, we heard him. He's got there. He's shaving. We're, we're just waiting and just waiting and just waiting. We figured eventually he's going to realize what has gone on here. And so uh, he's shaving and shaving and shaving. Stand there stark naked at the window in front of the entire college. Whoever's coming up and down that path. Stark, not a, not a stitch of clothing on the guy. All he's got on is a shaving cream on his face. <laughs> and so he eventually looks on over and he sees that the window is wide open to the path that is only two stories below him. And we heard this, yo! And we know, we can kind of just, in our minds, we kind of picture what it is that he is doing. He's looking right now for a towel and his towel is gone. He's looking for his articles of clothing and they are gone. And so he does, he's, he's pretty quick on thinking, and so he hits the light, and he turns the light out. And of course, I forgot to tell you, we locked the doors on both sides of the bathroom. He's a bodybuilder, he actually just yanked the thing and broke the lock and <laughs> took care of that. But after that, you know, we started to, to do more in the area of, of, of jokes and so forth, but I was still known as a pretty quiet kid, and so I was pulling off a lot of jokes on people, and um, uh, practical things that... You know, just practical jokes just all over the campus, all over the places. And eventually, word got around who was doing it. And so some people broke into our room and they took this uh, big old, like the trash can we have in the back when we have the, the food, big old trash can like that, filled with water. And they dumped it on me and my roommate underneath of me, dumped the whole thing on it while we were sleeping. And when I woke up, I was groggy. And I was thinking, oh, those guys just dumped water on me. They're leaving the room. <laughs> not moving, not, not doing much of anything. Now the mattress is wet, the bedding's wet, I'm wet, everything's wet. Now Jonathan got left out. He was on the single bed over here. I don't know why they left him off. But uh, they left him out. And so we were, um, we were out there doing that. But when I think of being groggy, that's what I think about. Because I can still remember being woke up. I can still remember being in that bunk and looking and seeing them people go out. Now, it escalated from there. We uh, eventually got to the place where um, I think the last night before we were heading home, the, uh, my roommates vacated. They left. They went and slept someplace else. They didn't want to be in the room. They were afraid of what was going to go on. Somebody had punched out the door that we had, that little little uh, wood thing, punched it out and threw an M80 inside and a powder bomb. Yeah, they uh, they escalated it pretty high. But you see, whenever you, now you all know uh, one of the things that I, I often do and why I often stay out of things uh, completely is because if you do something to me, I generally magnify it three or four times and then do it back. And then if you come back with me with something, I'll magnify it three or four times and do it again. Eventually, you'll quit. <laughs> That's where I learned that from. <laughs> because if you didn't come back harder than they came back at you, then, you know, the, it just didn't work out. That's what, we, that's what we would do. So anyway, when I think of this word, it speaks of a sleeping man being aroused from sleep, but you're still a little bit groggy. You're still a little bit, a bit out of it. I think of, I think of that situation. You may think of another situation where that was going on. But this, uh, this word here that Jesus used when he was talking about watch and pray, it has the idea of wakefulness and the notion of alertness. Now, uh, as far as comparison is concerned, I got this, I believe, from Wiest. 
why I did not write down the, the note on that. The first conveys the idea of being wakened or awakening himself, while the second, the idea of wakefulness. Now, let me read to you something from Vincent. You're going to, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Vincent's note is this. The apostles are thus compared with the doorkeepers in verse 34, and the night season is in keeping with the figure. In the temple during the night, this is the temple uh, in Jesus' day, during the night, the captain of the temple made his rounds and the guards had to rise at his approach and salute him in a particular manner. Not just a normal salute, there was a particular manner in which they were supposed to salute him. Any guard found asleep on duty was beaten or, now get this, his garments set on fire. So if you were found sleeping, and you're supposed to be on guard duty, they would set your clothing on fire. Now, if you know that happens, how many of you all know that's going to be enough to keep you, keep you up? Now, compare this to Revelations chapter 16 and verse 15. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Wow. <laughs> so, if you're going to watch, keep your garments. You don't want those things set on fire. Now, in this particular passage here, in 133337, do you know that another word that is sometimes translated watch or a, a word in, that is similar to that is used? And this is the word, very, very common word in, in Greek, very, very common word in the New Testament. It's Greek word blepo. Blepo. It means to see, notice, watch, beware of, perceive, or behold. In verse, you're going to see this in verse 2. I didn't pull that one out. But you'll see this in Mark 13, 2. In Mark 13, 5, and Jesus entering them began to say, Take heed. That word there, heed, is the word blepo. Isn't that like? Be watchful. Take heed. Be watchful. That no one deceives you. Verse 9, But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues, and you will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. But watch out for yourselves. But be, be watchful. That's the word blepo. Verse 23. But take heed. There's our word blepo again. See, I have told you all things beforehand. Verse 33. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. So here we have several of these words used in here. Now, just going outside of this passage, Colossians 2 and verse 8. It says, beware. That's the word blepo lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Acts chapter 28. We're going to go to a little passage here in verse 26, 27. Saying, uh, saying, go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. The word there, perceive, is the word blep, uh, blepo. And, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Now understand, look at this. The word there, perceive, is the Greek word ido. E-I-D-O. Ido. So seeing, you will not perceive. <clears throat> if you cannot perceive what is going on, can you properly be watchful? If I can see but I can't perceive what's there. Then I can't necessarily be watchful. I could be seeing something different. Sometimes we have lights that are out there and the lights make things look differently. 
Sometimes you have some glasses you can put on and they make things look differently. If I mess up with what I am, I may see it, but if I can't perceive it in the right way, I can't be watchful. I can't be on guard for the thing. So he's saying this, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Let they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. So you're going to see, but you're not going to perceive. Isn't that what Jesus did with the parables? They would hear, but they wouldn't perceive. They would see the miracles, but they don't perceive what's, what those miracles mean. Now, Mark chapter 13, verse 29. I wanted to go back just a little bit from where we started. This is the verses that came before we picked up in verse 33. So you also, when you see these things happening... What things? So this is Mark's version of Matthew 24, 25. This is, Mark comes in there and he says the same three, three questions. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the Father. So right before, verse 33, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Go on to verse 33. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. So his purpose here is saying, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. But this is not for our time. This is for a different time. Now hold that thought. How many of you are reading with us when we're going through the scriptures? How many, great, great, great hand. How many are reading with us? All right, the rest of you, get going with it. Sometimes I'll throw some things out there to you of what we are, of what we're reading. Now something that we were reading this way, if you're just reading, I put it in your bulletin. If you're just reading, this can jump out at you. You don't have to study it to see this. Some stuff you have to study to see. But this particular one, you don't really have to. You can just read this. So let me, let me read some scriptures to you. And you'll see it real, real good. In Matthew 4, verse 13. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Nephtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, by way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. They can see things, right? Blepo. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is what? From that time, he quoted the Old Testament prophecy. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember also that when the disciples made the confession, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, because of that, He made, uh, from that time, it says, he began to teach them. Matthew 10, verse 17. These are all coming from Matthew. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 11 and 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence taken by force. From the days of John the Baptist. Are the days of John the Baptist before or after Jesus? Before, before John came first. 
Verse 11 of Matthew 13. He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So they were given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. 24, same chapter. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed on his field. Verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Verse 33. Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Again, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast. Verse 52, Then he said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasures, things new and things old. Hmm. Verse um, Matthew 16, verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys... I will give you the keys of heaven, um, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I will give you the keys of heaven. Were they given? Yes. Matthew 18, verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Verse, 20, uh, verse 1 of chapter 20, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to, to hire laborers in his field. This is all the same gospel. Matthew 22, verse 2, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Matthew 25, verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Now let me call your attention to a verse. Verse 1 of chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins. Does that not jump out at you? The kingdom of heaven is like, 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 then. Huh. Can you see that Jesus is not talking about now? He's talking about then. Now, if you take this parable of the ten virgins and try to apply everything to now, could you get yourself into trouble? Because we are not then, we are now. Does that make sense to you? If I understand, if I read this, as many do, 
they read the parable of the ten virgins. And there are some things you can take and can transfer over to today. But you have to first of all look at this. This is not talking about us. This is talking about then. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be. Isn't shall be future? It's not is. It's not the kingdom of heaven is. The kingdom of heaven shall be. Which means when Jesus is talking about this, the kingdom of heaven is not this now. Then it shall be. But not now. Now if you're reading, it should jump out at you. You don't have to study. All you got to do is read. If you just read all that we were reading in Matthew, over and over, Jesus keeps saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. We're all getting tired of me reading all those verses. The kingdom of heaven is like. We're all saying, we get the idea. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then all of a sudden, then, the kingdom of heaven shall be. So you're not trying to call attention to something? You see, if you were going to be watchful, you have to first off, you have to see, you have to blepo. I have to see what is there. Then I have to idol. I have to perceive what I'm seeing. I've got to perceive it correctly. Because if I see, but I don't perceive, then I won't be able to discern what's going on about me. And if I'm supposed to be watchful, I'm not supposed to be falling asleep. That's the thing. Sleep is trying to come in to pull. This is what, both these words are contending with sleep. There's a whole lot of words we can use out there for watch that have nothing to do with sleep. These are the two words that have something to do with sleep, keeping sleep at bay, staying away from it, being awoke. Where the contrast is, either you are watching or you are slumbering. Either you are awoke or you are not. And if you're sleeping... Your garments might be set on fire. That'll wake you up. Of all the words he could have used for watch and pray, he chooses the one which is saying, do not be on the slothful side. Keep yourself awake. Keep yourself alert. Be watchful. Now, the idea with this verse here is not that, oh, I'm fighting sleep, oh, I'm fighting sleep. No, the idea is that you come into that guard duty rested. You're going to be a doorkeeper. You come in rested. You, I am ready for this. We're going to take this on. And we are watching. We are looking. Be watchful. If we are going to not enter into temptation, we need to watch and to pray. The first thing he says is, Watch. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Did the disciples watch? They fell asleep. You cannot fulfill this verse being asleep. Cannot do it. They were asleep. He didn't expect them to be asleep for five minutes and awake 55 minutes while he went away for the hour. He was expecting them to be awake Watch and pray. Now, I can't get into the pray if I'm not doing the watch. Because if I give up on the watch, I've fallen asleep. And I'm not going to be in the area of praying. So what is Jesus trying to do 
trying to tell us to do using this particular word here. First off, don't fall asleep. And I put this note in there for you too. Don't let the enemy put you to sleep. Know this, the enemy is going to try and come and, and get you to be asleep. To get you, and I, by being asleep, I don't mean you know going, going to bed at nighttime. We're talking about that I have zoned out what is going on around me. Isn't that what sleep is? You have zoned out what's happening around you. You tune out the noise. You tune out the lights. Some people are really good at tuning out. How many people are here? You are real good at turning out lights, tuning out lights when you go to sleep. If you go to sleep late, you can sleep till 8, 9, 10, if you need to. I mean, if you go to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, you might want to. A couple of people will, will do that, and the rest of you don't want to raise your hand. That's fine. Yeah, we had the occasion of someone was staying over our house recently, and um, I, I'm in the shop early. If, I'm in, if, it's a, if it's a shop day, I'm in the shop early. If it's a, you know, a, a church day, I'm still in the shop early, setting up all my, my stuff to study. I put that put out, the, out there. By 5, 5.30 in the morning, I'm already going. I'm already going in, the, in what's going on. And so we had this guest sleeping in the room that is right next to the shop. So I have to be careful what kind of noises I'm, I'm making. And I'm thinking, well, you know, surely they're not going to sleep in there all that long. I look in there at 7 o'clock, they're still, still asleep. I look in there at 8 o'clock, they're still asleep. I look in there at 8.30, they're still asleep. I think I waited until about 9 o'clock and said, that's it, i got to make noise. <laughs> I started making noise by 9 o'clock. I ran out of all the quiet stuff that I could do. I had to start making But I was amazed because I cannot do that. I can go to bed at 3 a.m. in the morning and when that sun starts to come on up, I am, I am up. I don't want to be up. I don't have any desire to be up. I would rather be asleep. But my body says, no, the sun is up. Be like that, uh, what is it, that Frozen movie? The sun is up. The sky is, is something. That's play. or I, forget how they, they, I don't see that one all that much. But... Um, the, the sun comes out. I just it just does something to me, and it wakes me up. I need to get those blackout things on the on the uh, the windows or something. But you see, the enemy he doesn't want you awake. I I can't tune out certain things or when I'm sleeping. Some things will just will either keep me up or you know the lights will will keep me up. The enemy wants to know, what is it that's going to keep you from tuning in what you're supposed to tune into? What is it that's going to, that we can get to keep you in a state so we are not tuning in the things of God? See, that's what he wants to do. Because if he can get it, that first off, you don't see, you don't blip all the things of God. Secondly, if you saw it, you don't perceive it right. I don't. And if he, if he can't get past that, you saw it and you perceived it, let's get him into a slumbering state to where he's kind of groggy, he's not really watchful. We're just going to let that thing go on. Then he knows he's got you in a place where he can lead you into temptation. And that's not what God wants to do. That's not where he wants us to be. He said, be watchful. Be watchful. We have to be in a place where we are watchful. 
The things that are in this world are trying to get you to be tuned out to the things of God. People in this world, you know, we've said it all the time, news people keep out of your house because their goal is to soften you to the things, to the evil things and to harden you to the things of God that you won't, you won't receive them, that you won't perceive that truth. Because if, I can, if he can get you to accept a truth that is not a truth, then that falsehood will keep you from receiving the truth when it comes. Because I can't hear it. He says, be watchful. Now, if you're going to be watchful, then if I'm going to take on the task of being watchful, I don't come up with my own orders, do I? Doesn't somebody give me orders? Doesn't somebody say, this is what you need to be watchful for? This is what you need to be alert to. You know, when the Titanic hit that iceberg, there's all kinds of supposition, all kinds of things that are going on. You know, uh, uh, did they see it? There's actually been a case, and I, I read some of the science that was involved, that because of the way the horizon was, that that particular ice, iceberg would have been invisible to them until it was too late. Just the way that the, the light works. And that could, that's one theory. Um, another was they didn't perceive it as a threat. They saw it, but they didn't perceive it as a threat. Misjudged the distance, whatever it might be. But um, if they were, if they were watchful, that person on the Titanic was watchful. What do you? What kind of orders are they under? We need to be watchful for obstacles, other ships, icebergs would certainly be be something that we would hit land. Whatever it might be, you need to be watchful that our path is clear. Because you depended, in those days, you depended on, on watchmen because uh, radar, I don't even know if it was developed at all. We didn't have satellites. We didn't have space travel, so we didn't have satellites. They didn't have all those, all those nice little fancy things. So they depended on someone out there with a looking glass, looking around, and be watchful. I need you to be watchful. I need you to be on, on, on guard. I need you to be looking out. So... We're, we're looking for things. They're not looking for elephants. They're not looking for houses. They're looking for the things that would be an obstacle for them. We all heard the, the stuff with Pearl Harbor. And we know that the first flight of, of planes that came over were spotted that the looking places spotted them. And they decided what you saw was not what you think. They said it was birds. They said it was something else. They were spotted. The fighter jets coming over were spotted by the looking places, but they didn't act on it for whatever reason. There's, you know, of course, conspiracy theories that go that abound, and, and then the, they just didn't perceive it as a, as a threat. So what he's telling you here is, you need to be watchful. We get our orders from God, not from people. Paul says this in, in his epistles. He says, a good soldier is not concerned with the things of this world, but the things that pertain to God. If you're going to be a good foot soldier, that's what you've got to do. I can't be concerned with the things of the, of the, of the world. 
If you're going to be a soldier out there in the field, he doesn't want to see you checking your text messages. <laughs> Seeing what's going on on Facebook. If you're out there on the battlefield, what's he want you doing? I don't want you to have anything else. This is your focus. This is what you need to do. But you see, the, the enemy wants to find out what is it that he can ignite your passions about. We talked about, remember back in uh, Kings, when we spent that uh, week over there looking at passions? He's going to look at what can we get. That king, when he heard the story, he knew this stuff was going on, but he heard the story, the woman fighting over eating the, the other baby. That ignited his passions. And he made declaration that he's going to kill Elisha. You know, it's not his fault. This is what he wants to, to try and do. If Satan can get us concerned with things that are not part of the kingdom, you will not be able to be watchful to the degree that God has said you need to do. I have to make sure that I don't let these things consume me. And we're not just talking about social issues, though certainly social issues can pull us in. It can, be, it can be TV shows. My, my grandmother used to always say this uh, when we were over at the house we were working and stuff like that. Oh, my stories are on. <coughs> always should say that. When we were away on vacation, she had to watch her stories. That's what she would call them. You maybe have a grandmother who called them that too. To watch my stories. And they always totally en engrossed in these people's lives. But you see, that's getting, you, that's getting your concern into something else. And if God says, I need you to do this over here, oh, no, my story's wrong. You can be so caught up with sports that God says, I need you to do this. Oh, but I got to watch the game. Got to catch up with what's going on here. It isn't just social issues that can get us. It's some of these other things too. But if I let any of those things get me, pull me in, I will not be able to be watchful to the degree to which I'm, I need to be watchful. I need to get my orders. First off, if I'm going to be watchful, what is it that I need to be watchful for? Now, in this particular situation, he says to, be, to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Now, we'll talk a little bit more later on about the type of prayer that Jesus was doing. Watch and pray that you enter into, not into temptation. Temptation here was to do something against the will of God. You do something in the, that is contrary to the will of God. So if I am going to watch, I have to make sure that I know what is the will of God for me to do here. In other words, what does Jesus need me to do while we are here in the garden? And what, is, what did Jesus need them to do? He said, watch and pray with me. What did they do? They fell asleep. He just gave them that order. He just, here's the orders, guys. Watch and pray with me. He became, when he had them alone, he became sorrowful and deeply distressed. He wasn't that way with the other nine. Pulled them aside. Became sorrowful and deeply distressed. Guys, I need you, I need this. This is, this is the will for right here. I need you to do this. And they were overcome with sleep. How many times has God says, I need you to do this. I need you to give me an example here. I need you to stand up and do this. And we are caught up with our own emotions and our own thing and our own issues 
in our own sports, in our own stories, in our own whatever it is that's going on in our life. And I've got so caught up with that that I'm not able to pursue what God says to do. If you allow anything in your life that will ignite your watchfulness to it instead of the cause of God, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. Now, when you... How many sports fans we have here? People that like sports. When you're sitting down and watching sports... You got the football, and it's live. We're not talking recorded sports. We're talking live on the TV. How many of you answer the phone? How many of you answer the doorbell? You can leave me alone right now. This is, you know what, I'm watching the Eagles game. I'm watching the whatever it is. Leave me alone. We block out distractions, don't we? We block out, now there might be some things, all right, well, that person calls me, I'll, I'll, I'll allow that one. But we, we focus in. I want to see what's going on. We're focused. I'm watching. This is what he needs us to do. When we are watchful, we block out the other distractions. We make a conscious effort to keep this stuff at bay. I'm not going to... Not going to get in it. Not picking this one up. Nope, no, nope, no. Nope. We're, we're staying here. God has asked me to be watchful. He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Two words he uses in this Mark passage. Uses them together. The two words that deal with the sleepiness. Don't we have that term? The people are asleep in the light. Keith Green wrote a whole song about it. Asleep in the light. We're in the life where we're sound asleep. Don't be sleeping. Don't be falling asleep. As far as God is concerned, I mean, everybody else looks at you, you're awake. You're woke. You're alert. You're attentive. But you're not attentive to the things that God wants you to be attentive to right now. You're attentive to something else. And if I am attentive to something else, then what God wants to speak to me about, then what God wants me to put my attention to, then I will not be standing guard. And if I am not standing guard, if I am not watching, what does Jesus say will happen? Watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. When Jesus went into this, then he tells disciples, every single one of you is going to forsake me. Oh, no, no, no. We, we won't forsake you. We're not going to leave you. No, no, no. Jesus didn't argue the point. He just let it go. I told you I learned that lesson from Ezekiel many, many years ago. And I still keep trying to, to, to keep it going on. I am responsible to present the truth that God gives me in His Word. I am not responsible to make you believe it. But I am responsible to present it. So I get a lot more relaxed than I used to be. Just present it. This is what the Word of God says. I don't want to believe that. Well, then don't. <laughs> That's all. I used to be a lot more passionate about feeling like I had, to, I had to convince people. Don't have to convince anybody. It's not up to, up to us to do that. Just like Ezekiel. He presented the Word of God to him. He also knew they probably weren't going to, weren't going to follow it. But there's pits on each side. I can get so caught up into issues 
and I can also get totally blasé about everything. There's pits on both sides. Just because you avoid the, the pit on this side doesn't mean you avoided the pit on this side. What I need to have is what is God's passion for this thing? What does God want me to do? What is my role in this? You see, because my role is different from your role. When he tells me to be watchful, to be vigilant, I need to be watchful and vigilant for the things he's given me to do. Now, if you want to just take that to the watchman uh, episode, if I was on the northeast corner of the tower or the northeast corner of the wall, my responsibility is the north and the east. Look in the north way, look in the east way here. If I'm on the southwest corner, what's my responsibility? The south and the west. There's a whole lot of Christians who are put in the southwest corner who are concerned about the northeast. Yeah, are you watching over there? And the more I get concerned about the northeast guy doing his job, I'm not doing my job in the southwest. When the master of the house comes by and he says, how come you're not watching the southeast? Well, I was checking on Joe over there. He's not, he's not doing his job and I'm... I'm getting concerned that we're going to have a problem. Joe's not your concern. Your concern is here. This is what you're supposed to do. Do it. If Joe doesn't do his job, I'll take care of Joe. But you're supposed to be here taking care of your job. See, this is what the devil loves to get us to do. I need to be concerned about everybody else and what they're doing. I am not watchful with what I am doing. And if I am so caught up with what Joe is doing on the northeast corner, then I am slothful. I am not vigilant about what I am supposed to do down over here in the southeast. Amen. In the body of Christ, I know my role in a teacher and a pastor. It's not a prophet. I don't go out there trying to tell prophets what to do. It's not my, my job to step... Well, there's not enough prophets doing their job. God, I need to step over there. No, it's not my job to do, to do the job of a prophet and miss what I'm supposed to do as a pastor and teacher. I have to make sure that I, I do that. Yeah, but I can get all passion. We need to have this... We need to have that prophet thing going on. See, whatever the enemy can get you to distract you, he will do it. He doesn't care what the issue is. He doesn't care whether it's good, bad, indifferent. He doesn't care. All he has to do is get you to not do what you're supposed to do. To not focus on what you're supposed to be focused on. To focus on other things. To get you to say things that distance you between uh, distance between you and other people. That's all he's got to do. But he said, this is Jesus' words, be or watch with me. Other places he said, be watchful. Watch with me. Watch and pray. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. First part of this thing is we got to watch. I got to watch. Now, see, this is where fasting comes in. Because fasting helps me get a handle on my flesh. Because my flesh, just like it likes to rise up and say, I want cake. <laughs> now, ever heard that? Did that ever come, come up on you? I want cake. I shouldn't have cake right now. But I want, I want cake. My flesh will rise. When I fast, 
And maybe the fast is, is no food. Maybe the fast is no desserts. Maybe the fast is uh, whatever it might be. No chips. I don't know, whatever it might be. There's something that you, you all like. Oh, you get to, you get to craving it. Oh, I gotta have, gotta have me some of those. And you say, no, flesh, you're not gonna have it. You see, it's me taking authority over that flesh. It's me telling that flesh who's boss. Because I need to do that. Because your flesh wants to rise up. And your flesh wants to say, hey, here's a cause. Go after it. Here's something for you to get passionate about. Go after this. And I begin to, to follow it. And many people follow it thinking it's the voice of God. And they get going off into all these different things and start doing these, this stuff. Don't be doing it. God, what is, you, what, is you, what is it you have called me to do? And this is what I focus on. This is what I have to do. Don't lose sight. Well, I'm not in full-time ministry, so I really don't have anything. doesn't matter. Wherever you work, God has a calling for you right there. There's people around there where you are, where you are at that only you can minister to. And God wants you to be a watchman for those people. God wants you to be able to, to hear what God has to say in the nighttime, and you proclaim it to them in the day. You shout it from the rooftops, what you heard whispered in your ear. Remember, we went over those verses. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. Don't get distracted by your job that you don't have a calling. Because where you are at on your job puts you in touch with people that you would never see otherwise. And you're there to minister to them. You are God's light in that place. When you get with God at nighttime, God should be speaking things to you for you to share you to say with where, you're, where it is at work. You're in a neighborhood. Those neighbors are right next to you. God has called you to be a light in that neighborhood. Make sure you go in with his light. Don't be distracted. Don't be slumbering. Don't let the devil get you all distracted with other things. Father, what is it that you want me to do? And we'll see that as we get into the prayer time that Jesus had. Would you all stand up with me? Father, you called us to be vigilant, sober, watchful, alert. We need to be mindful of the enemy that comes against us and his tactics to where he would slip deception into us, distractions that he would send our way to try and pull us from the purpose that you have for us. But Father, you have great purpose for us. And I thank you for the help that you give us to accomplish it. When we go to bed at nighttime, just as Jesus' words were, you will do these for us. In the nighttime, you will say things to us, speak things to us for the purpose that we declare them in the day for the people that we are around. You would whisper things in our ear that we would proclaim from the housetops boldly even though we know that some people are not going to like the things that we have to share because it's the word of God and it may cause division among people even some family members might get mad at us but you told us if we love even our family above you 
Well, that's just not a good place to be. So, Father, we want to get rid of all the slumber, all the distractions. We want to be watchful. We want to be attentive. We want to focus on the things that you have said. This is what you need to watch out for. And we keep our eye on those things. Father, we want to get to heaven, our reward, when you say that we did a good job for you. That we fulfilled our purpose. We ran our race. And I thank you, Father, for the help that you give us in that. We may look at this and say, boy, it's a tough world we live in. But Paul's day was a tough world. Jesus' day was a tough world. Elijah's day was a tough world. Moses' day, that was a tough world. No matter who we name, they lived in a tough place. Because the enemy is always coming against us. It's generally in a way that is so visible when it's done, but not as visible while we're going through it. But if we stay watchful, if we stay alert, if we stay attentive, if we don't get these things that distract us, to lull us into a type of sleep, slumber, we won't fall into this stuff. He won't be able to get us off. Every time he begins to sneak up, we see him, there's the enemy. He's coming over here. And we're on, we are on guard against him. Our lives would be so much better if we never gave in to temptation. I thank you that you have provided us with a way to accomplish it. Glory be to your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Before we leave today, Orlando was asking for prayer. Brother Orlando said her surgery is coming up in July. It's, it is, but you have a meeting with the doctor? Do you know yet, has God said have the surgery or has God said not have the surgery? Neither. Neither yet? All right. Well, we're going to pray because whenever we're in a situation like this, we ask for wisdom. We gotta, if we're going to have faith for anything, we have to know what God says. Whether God says have the surgery or not have the surgery. But we've got to know what God says. And when we know what God says, boy, we just go in with all confidence. God, you said not to do this. God, you said to do this. Oh, he's going to help us out. Glory to God. Father, I just thank you for wisdom that comes to our brother on this issue. That, Father, you tell him, down in the spirit, no, no surgery is needed. Don't worry about it. Or, yep, have the surgery. This and this will go on. And it'll all taken care of. Father, I thank you that you know the end from the beginning and that you speak to our spirit. We rely on you. Yes, Jesus. And I thank you that he will not only be able to see the way of the Lord, but he will perceive what is right, yes, Father. what direction to go. Yes, Jesus. I give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God.